Welcome to another episode of The Corner Booth, the official podcast of restaurantowner.com. Today, the restaurant industry is changing faster than ever. Learn from successful independent restaurant operators and other industry leaders as they share best practices that will help you engage your team, delight your guests, and grow your business. And welcome everyone to another episode of Corner Booth. I'm Chris Tripoli with RestaurantOwner.com. And today I am introducing you to Tom Foley. Tom Foley, who along with celebrity chef Tiffany Derry, are partners in Roots Southern Table, Roots Chicken Shack. Some of you are probably familiar with those names or you're certainly familiar with the name and face of Tiffany if you've been watching Food Network and other things. So, Tom, welcome. Thanks for coming on. Welcome to Corner Booth. Absolutely. Chris, thanks for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. I think the listeners would love to hear, just as a little bit of an intro, you know, your past. What brought you to hospitality? Everyone's always interested in how we got into this business. Yours might be slightly different than some people might be expecting. So let's start with that. How did you get into this thing? Sure, sure, Chris. I'll, I'll ask you, when was the last time you voluntarily walked into a law office? There you go. That is true. <laughs> I, I think typically you may have to be in handcuffs or <laughs> or some other dire need. Yeah, so I practiced law in New York, handling mostly litigation, and truthfully but teasingly said that no one voluntarily comes to the law office. So I always thought, wouldn't it be amazing if if I can have my law office inside a, a coffee shop, I can offer you a cappuccino, a latte, and, and maybe you'd smile as you, as you voluntarily walked into that law office. So I always had that passion for hospitality, waited tables through law school a little bit and helped pay some of the, the tuition and always kind of felt myself drawn to it. And then after practicing for a period of time, I said, how can I leverage what I've learned in the legal career, introduce it into hospitality and be in a place where people want to walk in the front door. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So here we go, folks. Hospitality saved. Saved another lawyer from obviously the boredom of an office where people don't necessarily like to go to hospitality. And then so then your interest in hospitality, I get it. You go in to the industry. How did this particular partnership come about? How did it get started? It's a, a great question. I, I had been looking at different opportunities, particularly in the, the franchise space. People may not be surprised if they have looked at franchises or a franchisee that there are some strong opportunities uh, with franchise or franchisee relationships, but then there are other other ones that, in my opinion, need to be strengthened. So I was looking at where some of the opportunities were and some gaps between franchise or and franchisees. So again, kind of in the in the industry, Tiffany at the time was thinking about opening a restaurant. She was meeting with a potential investor, and you know you have to structure those deals and. I'm sure your listeners have too many examples of friends in the industry that have made the wrong deal. So very important that you you structure that properly. Uh, and someone had said, Tom knows a little bit about law. Tom knows a little bit about hospitality. Maybe a little plus a little is enough. And you can you can meet with Tom. And you, you know, Chris, I'll tell you, it, it was a fate or otherwise. I, I talked to her on the phone and I said, okay, Tiffany, why don't 
why don't we schedule a time to get together and couldn't find one. And then just said, well, why don't we just meet at my house? We picked a, a day and she came to my house and I've never that I can recall met with a client at my house, particularly the first time I'm ever meeting someone. Tiffany came in and what was scheduled to be a half hour was two and a half hours later uh, when we had not only talked about the investment structure within restaurants, but we talked about what her passions were, what my passions were, and how we ultimately could combine those passions and, and work together. It didn't, it didn't happen in that two and a half hours, but that was the, the first introduction. That's wonderful. And yeah, and it is nice when you are, you know, driven, a company is driven by two people that passions and priorities align. I think you're right. I think there are some listeners out there that are probably shaking their heads saying, I wish, you know, I had that. I I did it wrong with my investors or I found a person to operate with. And guess what? We weren't really well aligned. Bad news is we learned about it later after we already got our idea going. So you helped with the initial structuring of the first deal. So tell everyone, was that was that now the chicken shack or did Southern Table come first? Yeah, it, you know, like uh, well-laid plans, Roots Southern Kitchen is what we were calling it at the time. Roots Southern oh. Kitchen was the, the first idea that Tiffany had. And that was going to be the full service restaurant she was looking into with that possible investor. Uh, cutting the the story a little short, she wound up opting to work with me and we decided let's take a little bit more of a slower organic growth. So we were looking for the right place. And again, you know, it, it, it's amazing talking to you and, and your audience who have been in the industry probably much longer than me. So everything I'm saying, they they know. But when you're looking for that restaurant space, making sure it is truly the right location. And the right location is not just the physical location of ingress and egress, but a landlord partnership. What is the demographic around the area? What are the opportunities for long-term growth? What's the staffing component? What's the ease of public transportation? Everything that you're going to think about when, when finding that location. With a full-service restaurant, I think it's even more important that you pay attention to uh, those details. Uh, so we looked long and hard and couldn't find the right place and kept looking. And then Roots Chicken Shack came up. The idea of opening a non-traditional location with inside a food hall in Plano, Texas, a little bit North Texas, uh, and trying out uh, that fast casual concept serving Tiffany's famous duck fat fried chicken, which uh, had been served at President Obama's White House a few times. So we knew it had the presidential seal of approval. We we thought we could at least bring it to uh, to Plano, Texas. So that was 2017 when we opened that first and then continued looking uh, for Roots Southern Kitchen location. Uh, share a little bit about our mission is to try and drive greater inclusivity within the hospitality space and beyond. Hence okay. the, the switch from kitchen to table. Everybody's welcome at our table. Uh, nice. We found that location in in 2019, signed the lease. March of 2020 is when the hammers were going to start swinging. Uh, we know all too well, March of 20, uh, stopped all hammers from swinging. Uh, so we took a few months uh, break. If I can give a plug for good counsel, uh, we had the right attorney negotiate our lease with the force majeure clause, which didn't mean much pre-COVID, but means a little bit more now. Uh, and we began construction in November of 20 and opened in June of 21. 
Nice, 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 nice. Yeah, you said a lot of good things there that just really, I mean, bring a smile to my face, uh, especially since, again, you're looking more at our industry uh, with with a very, very experienced academic, uh, more of a, I think, diligent approach. A lot of listeners I know seem to think that the best and most successful operators all came up the ranks of operation. And I'm not trying to take it away anything from you know, the value of hands-on restaurant operation. But here we're listening to an operator who's lead, leading a company who said all the right things about finding the right location. And he comes to us from more of a legal background, um, understanding business, not necessarily understanding the day-to-day of the restaurant, or at least not yet. Um, and you're right, that first location is so much more than, um, is it accessible, is it visible? Um, but you really do have to find that right landlord partnership. You really do have to find that right sense of community. And it sounds like you did. Okay, so good news. Now we have the food hall in Plano that came first. I've always loved the chicken shack. For those of you who want to look it up, it's spelled S-H-A-K. A little different, which is cool because the chicken's a little different. You probably haven't had duck fat fried chicken very often. It's delicious. But anyway, then moving on, now you get the full service opportunity. Tell us a little bit about that development process, the concept development process, and then, of course, how well did it open? Mm, great, great questions. The, the uh, concept development for me, Chris, was, was the easy part. Uh, Tiffany had been thinking about it for years and always wanted to bring Southern food to the full service community for a myriad of reasons, but certainly it was tough to find kind of the Southern soul Creole food that was served in a, an elevated full service restaurant. So how can uh, Tiffany introduce that, uh, you know, her culinary talents uh, are, and granted, I may be biased, Chris, but they're, they're the best in the country. So I wasn't worried about the, the quality of the food, uh, even just as an aside, as a concept development perspective. I remember when we were doing the construction and and for everyone listening, you know, you're doing construction, there's a lot of checks you're writing, uh, not a lot of not a lot of revenue coming in. So I said, uh, hey Tiffany, you know, I think we're gonna get our CO should have at this date. Let's let's start lining up the opening process. Uh, and she said, I need two weeks after the the CO is issued. And you know, I said, of course, like you know, training, I understand that I anticipated that. And she goes, no, two weeks uh, really to, to refine the menu. And I'm thinking, two weeks, like, let's take advantage of the time. And she said, I have prepared everything in my head and I know how it tastes. Now I have to make it so it tastes like I know it should. And that was that skill set that, you know, that's just a, an, a, an innate strength that Tiffany has. She'll tell you it's developed over time, but I mean, I think people can take years and years and never develop that level of, of ability. So the concept development was all Tiffany. We say pots and pans is Tiffany, pens and paper is me. So uh, we had lined up our team uh, and had a general manager uh, that was joining us. And uh, a few weeks beforehand, uh, it was my, my first trial by fire uh, in the hospitality space. I, I was not accustomed to people just not showing up, not telephoning, not emailing, just come Wednesday, they, they don't show up. So that was our general manager, just didn't show up. Uh, I looked to my left, there was Tiffany. I looked to my right, there was no one. So I was the general manager. Uh, so we 
first six months uh-huh. of the the restaurant, I was I was on the floor for uh, most of it as as kind of the coordinator. So it was a, a for me a fun process, and I'll say it's it's challenging. Uh, changes your your time from a lifestyle perspective. You know, for me uh, going from the you know the day job to uh, an all day job, an all night job was a little bit different. But I will say I never walked in the house at the end of the night after practicing law with as much energy and, and, and excitement as I had after I ran a full day at the restaurant. So for wow. me, it was energizing. Uh, so That's, that was- um, yes, you know, that tells me that you are obviously in your right spot. And I, I know the people listening would agree that that is typically the best payoff is that satisfaction of a smooth shift. You've been on your feet for 10 or 12 hours. You know, your 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 feet are swollen. You might be sore. You might be tired. But you're right. If you get home and you've, you're, you've got a smile from ear to ear, you're happy with what it was you were able to accomplish. Then, yeah, you're obviously doing the right thing. Yeah. So that was that was the the introduction to Roots Southern Table. So uh, I, I took on more than I had uh, expected, uh, but enjoyed it for sure. So that probably gave you an opportunity, I imagine, and I'd like you to amplify this, but having to be thrown in, knowing that you had a GM, but then guess what? I don't. So for about a half a year, I'm filling in. That may have given you sort of a unique perspective on exactly how you wanted maybe things to be managed, how you wanted staff roles to be, because, you know, you were doing this really for your first time. So I imagine your eyes were just wide open. Yeah, you know, Google was my friend for a while, for sure, with with just making sure uh, uh, I I understood the role. I, you may not be surprised as an attorney, research is something I uh, will always default to. So uh, spent a lot of time understanding uh, the industry, understanding best practices. Uh, one of the questions I ask, perhaps, and if you ask our team, certainly too much, but I always ask why. Why are we doing it a certain way? and walking through the process and then emphasizing to the team, when I ask, why are we doing it that way? I'm not criticizing. Please don't draw conclusions. It, it may absolutely be the best way to do it. I want to understand the why behind it. Because I was in the restaurant consistently and responsible for kind of leading those conversations, uh, I had the opportunity to really work through those whys. Uh, it led to, you know, as you think about it, a more detailed thought around the structure. Uh, you know, the the role of a general manager within a restaurant is that the right role uh, within a restaurant for one person to have that responsibility? Uh, how do you how do you look at sharing the responsibilities? How do you look at taking the dynamics of the server team uh, that may be you know focused on more of their as, as many will tell you, they're independent entrepreneurial section, uh, yet they're going to work as a team. How do you start to craft all of those uh, interactions and roles and responsibilities? Uh, so being there, seeing it, living it uh, was tremendously helpful. Never mind the fact that, uh, believe it or not, Chris, I was not only running outside expo once or twice or three times, they had me run an inside expo. So I was back of the house for a while, front of the house. So uh, no better way to learn than to do it, at least for me. Boy, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. I think everyone has either, you know, by design or by default uh, been there. 
uh, and having to just kind of learn while we're doing. But I think that's an interesting perspective that you're learning while you're doing, but rather than just trying to follow the what is needed, the where things are, uh, the who's supposed to do anything, you added the why, uh, because by asking why might either help confirm, as you mentioned, that, yeah, this is really the right and best, most productive way, or why might lead you to, hmm, maybe we should rethink because maybe improvements could be could be needed. Um, I like what you also mentioned, too, that a restaurant really is like putting a piece of a puzzle together. Mm. You know, it really is. I mean, you've got a lot of moving parts and a lot of individuals, certainly on the service side, the front of the house, they are individual entrepreneurs trying to make the guest experience special. That benefits, obviously, the brand also benefits them uh, individually. But the challenge is to get them individually uh, to also work together as a team. Are there certain practices or certain things that you've developed along the way that have become part of your work? culture that maybe help keep that team feel? Yeah, I, I think that's a, a daily responsibility uh, in any industry. And for us, the idea of ensuring that the team knows our mission and knows our core values and not just knows them in the sense of you know, they're, they're the core values posted on the wall. How are you bringing those core values to life? Uh, how are they interpreted beyond just, you know, perhaps the definition of the, the value you choose? How, how is that activated within the restaurant? And the, we, we talk about, uh, I'll give you an example. One of the core values is learning continuously. So what we do is we, we say our core values start with welcome to our table. Welcome is an acronym for all of our core values and the L is learning continuously. What we talk about is you will make a mistake. I will make a mistake. There's no doubt we will make a mistake. We'll make one at least once a night. There'll be a guest that suffers from one of our mistakes. We want to learn from those mistakes. We want to honor those mistakes. We want to address those mistakes and we want to be candid about those mistakes. So I tell our team, if you're working a station and you have a guest experience that goes less than ideally, whether that's uh, you didn't touch the table soon enough, whether that was uh, you put in the wrong uh, entree order and now you've got staggered entrees being served. I will have your back 100% of the time, provided you're living our core values and you will uh, be direct and candid about what occurred. If you're going to try and hide it, if you're going to try and make excuses, we're not learning anything. We're harming the guest experience and we're harming our team. So the idea, and I had a few servers, you know, if they make mistakes, they're like, oh, do these mistakes come out of our paycheck? And, mm. you know, for me, that was, it was not even a thought. I, it, it didn't cross my mind. So the first time I'm like, no. Right. And, and I remember my reaction was, did you do it on purpose? Like we, we, and they go, no, I go, well, then that's learning continuously. So right. you, know, you bring those values to life in a way that I'm showing, hopefully, Tiffany's showing, hopefully, the fact that we're working with you as a team and I'll support you. And I'm looking for you to support us and every one of our team members. So, you know, again, that's where is an example? I, I call them teaching moments. I don't want to say it's like parenting, right? But anytime there's those moments that those core values come to life, you emphasize it and hopefully they feel that support. Uh, the M stands for mutual respect. So hopefully they feel that respect and, and hopefully they're sharing that respect with the other team members. Wow, absolutely. And this is just so right on 
Um, I think it's just right on theme that we're hearing from successful restaurants uh, out there today is that it all starts with people. You know, I mean, that's 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 what you're talking about here. Um, sure, there's product and process and procedures in order to maintain consistency and get to profit. But it all starts with people. And the fact that learning um, for you is being taught that it isn't just an initial training and you're supposed to know. Learning is continuous. Learning is a daily effort. Um, I really also want to underline the fact that you understand that in the service business and because it's a people industry, mistakes, you know, just might be made. Um, so as long as people know up front that that's not a surprise, uh, but you're seizing it as a teaching method. So I hope the listeners are making note of this, because if you're wanting to win today and, and maintain a positive work environment, you need a culture that's based on this. It's based on people first, based on continuous learning and based on seizing teaching moments that come out of mistakes. Uh, that's how you're going to bond with your staff. So this just started right from the get-go with you. Is that right? With the way you saw how the restaurant really, uh, this business needs to work? It it, it did. It, the For me, what was kind of the drastic difference is, you know, our restaurant is 2,400 square feet. Uh, I had my law office that was bigger than that. And I had one-tenth the amount of employees in that area, you know, and here you are, you have, you know, six, seven, eight people in back of house. You've got two or three in the dish area. You have six or seven in the service area. You've got two or three in the bar. You've got one or two at Mater D and you've got your team, whether that's me or another manager walking around. That's a lot of people in a small area that you're then bringing in 50, 60 guests. We all have to get along. That's a lot of people in a small area with uh, a lot of Sim- simplistic components like rights of way within the restaurant, which, you know, it, it sounds basic, but if, you know, a guest is coming one way and a server is coming another, who's getting out of the way for us, it's clear, but you can, you can throw off a whole guest experience just by not yielding the right of way. And you've got such a tight area that, you know, all of those levels of respect and understanding are that much more necessary. You are close in the restaurant business. You are, you know, bumping up against each other in in different areas as you're trying to, you know, run this food over here. And if you're not working in a way that's continually emphasizing that team approach, the values behind it, I think it's very quick for it to go off the rails. You know, when I was in the law office, you know, I was at my desk for an hour and a half not talking to anybody before I would I'd get up and interact and and that was because I wanted some social interaction, right? In the restaurant, it's completely different. If you don't have those guideposts, I think you're you're setting yourself for up for a challenge. Yeah, it sounds like you're uh, interacting with many, many, many more people now in an hour and a half than you used to in your old office. <laughs> for for sure, I, I you know I, I I've been told my I know this is a podcast, so maybe my grandfather would tell you I have a face made for radio. But the I've been told I'm stoic in my look, right? And I'm like, well, when you're practicing law, for sure. I realized in the hospitality industry, it's a it's a much more social game uh, and social interaction. So I I'm, I'm learning, Chris. I'm learning. Well, I'd say you're learning very quickly, uh, and the people that have the uh, you know privilege of being a part of your team, they're all learning the right things. It's got to be a positive work environment. 
And this idea of welcome to our table uh, and the idea of continuing learn uh, uh, learning as a continuous experience uh, lays the proper foundation. So, wow, you're off to a good start. Very good start. So how how are you structured now? Uh, I assume you probably have a management team more established and that you don't have to GM it anymore. Correct. Uh, you know, the goal is to make sure I don't I don't have to be uh, in the restaurant. We we were fortunate enough when Roots Southern Table opened, uh, Tiffany's skill sets and, and Tiffany being known uh, certainly in the culinary industry uh, is a tremendous advantage uh, to a certain extent. And we were covered by the New York Times as one of 50 restaurants to visit across the United States. And in 2022, it led to uh, two James Beard final nominations, one for Best New Restaurant, one for Best Chef Texas. Uh, so it uh, certainly uh, gave us an opportunity for um, greater awareness. And, and the restaurant was, and still is, knock on wood, performing performing well. So we've thought about expanding. Uh, I, I will tell you, we have a, another concept under construction uh, slated to open in early 24. Uh, and uh, I, if I'm not letting uh, too much uh confidential information out. I just got the uh, agreement for uh, a third restaurant that we're probably going to sign right after uh, the holidays. Uh, so we'll sign it in, in late uh, 23. So we'll have three restaurants, full service restaurants, and we have the two fast casual with two or three in development. So you need the team. You know, Chris, you said people first. Uh, people first, I think, in every industry and in the hospitality industry, exponentially so. Uh, I had the opportunity to speak with some uh, high school entrepreneurs. They're in an entrepreneur class and they were asking about restaurants. And And I asked them, 17, 16, 17, 18, I said, hey, let me ask you a question. If you go to the restaurant that your friend recommended and your entree wasn't as good as you thought it was going to be, would you try the restaurant a second time? And I would say 95% put their hand up and said, absolutely. I said, if your friend recommended that restaurant and the server uh, was a little rude to you, would you go back to that restaurant? All of them said no. And Perfect. I said, you Perfect know, response. Right? That's people first. Like yes. You can make or break your restaurant on people, not your product. Uh, and, and you've got mm-hmm. to understand that. So now if you're looking to grow, it's no different. So we, we really set it up where we want... Uh, each of our managers to understand each of the restaurants. So instead of having a GM, it's perhaps the director of operations that then handles uh, scheduling and, and inventory management across all three restaurants. Is it a beverage and, and bar manager, again, that's doing it across the restaurants, event and guest relations, again, across all restaurants. And they each will serve as a manager on the floor of each of those restaurants. And for us, there's a a myriad of reasons why we do that. Uh, it, simple aspect is if my event and guest manager uh, has access to an awareness of the three different restaurants, I can then sell to the guest that's interested in a private event all three options, as opposed to saying, well, I handle this location. Let's I'll put you in touch with Chris. He handles the other locations. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other aspect that I found Interesting and dangerous, uh, particularly with the GM model, is when you ask about the tenure of a GM, typically, it's a short tenure, at least in my, from my perspective. And the culture of the restaurant 
often can feed off of that one general manager. So if you lose that person, uh, that can shift your culture in a way that uh, you can't necessarily write uh, immediately. The other aspect is that that general manager can set a culture that's contrary to what you were looking to do. So the <laughs> idea of having you know three, four managers on the floor, uh, you're always kind of reinforcing those unique perspectives of your culture, as well as not putting all of your eggs in one basket for that GM to define and, and potentially uh, grow or uh, reduce your culture. So that's an interesting uh, concept. I think there's a couple advantages in it. Uh, you you just explained a structure that, you know, um, isn't necessarily, I would say, the most popularly found, you know, in people that are beginning to grow. But we want to just think about this for a moment. If they're, if you're developing managers, as you said, as a team, if I'm a service manager and I understand everything about the service protocols and I can traverse from one restaurant to another in a service period, just like the beverage person can, just like the culinary people can, then they're reporting to, like you mentioned, more of a director of ops. So that means the managers within the restaurant really are more of a team. They're all managers. Um, and they are reporting, obviously, to a director of ops, but there isn't that singular GM that is sort of setting the tone, directing the show in that restaurant that way. Is that right? You know, that that's at least, and, and Tiffany and I have had some, some discussions about it. Uh, Tiffany's been in the hospitality industry for over 25 years, and right. this model is, is not the typical model. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, she... I don't know if she would agree with the model necessarily. Uh, but one of the great things about our partnership, and you talked about this this earlier, is it really is a marriage when you're working with someone else, and uh, we have an agreement that you know we will stand firm if we think it's going to be truly detrimental to the hospitality group. If it right. is something that we may not a hundred percent agree with, but think it has opportunity. Uh, will defer and monitor. Uh, so in this case, you know, it was a, a deferral and let's let's monitor. So it is a, a unique approach. You are changing uh, behaviors, you're changing expectations right. uh, from those that are in the industry that aren't familiar with it. Um, I will say one of the other advantages, at least that I've seen, is the ability to cross-train as well. So when you take a general manager uh, and you tell them, in my opinion, for all intents and purposes, they're the chief executive officer of this restaurant. They're responsible for inventory management. They're responsible for HR and labor. They're responsible for the financial performance and the PL. They're responsible for uh, overseeing uh, kind of all of the the menu uh, oversight. You know, the the pricing. For me, those are varied skills uh, that the largest company would never allow to rest with one person. You know, you need a yeah. series of people to have it. So I always thought, why, why would it be different in this space? Why am I expecting that one person has these skill sets? Let's, let's take the individual strengths of each person and put them in the right place. So the, you know, the idea of a team, uh, again, to partnerships, to teams, uh, you know, one of the biggest dangers I see when people talk to me in the industry is, you know, two chefs that are going to go in business together. Um, you know, are your strengths the same and your weaknesses the same? Then objectively, no, 
right? The, that that doesn't advance your business. You you now have double the strengths and exponential weaknesses. So uh, where do you have those strengths highlighted, and where are you filling the opportunities for um, the weaknesses? So the structure we created, I think, does that. Um, <laughs> I've gained a little bit more support from Tiffany over the time, and. And I think, you know, ultimately this will this will be the model that we use. And as we get bigger, it becomes easier. Well, yeah. Uh, and um, the, the couple of things that I'm hearing loud and clear is the idea of the cross training, the idea of also changing the environment. If I'm a very well-trained service manager and I can go from one environment to another to another, um, that's providing uh, more value in my mind. We have learned from, say, other positions, not just management, but all of our key staff, and other hourly staff, the more valuable people feel, the more cross-trained they are. Typically, the longer they stay and the better job they do. So so is this a unique kind of structure? It is, but those are the advantages. Uh, as you grow, I guess one of the challenges might be in offering that kind of continued uh, challenge, continued next step. In other words, if I'm able to go from unit to unit to unit as a good service manager, but then where do I go for my personal growth next? Is is there a way to help open or is there a way of maybe becoming a GM or is that one director of ops all that's needed? Uh, that's obviously something you probably just, you know, cross that bridge when you get there and answer it better when when uh, the situation actually arises. Yeah, we've thought about it. Uh, and by the way, Chris, I love how you take what I say in a scrambled fashion and make it sound good. So I, I'm I'm looking forward to to, to pulling some of the, the points you've shared, you, you make me sound better. So thank you. Uh, on on the, the point of growth, uh, we view that in a few different ways. Uh, so from a personal growth perspective, the idea of learning continuously, uh, we have uh, relationships and, and just signed up eight of our team members for uh, management courses through Dallas College, which is the local community college. We coordinate the tuition components. We adjust the scheduling to allow for those courses to fit into their existing work schedule with the idea being they have the opportunity to learn something they don't currently know. Nice. Uh, they will determine, you know, quite frankly, whether that's something they'd like to pursue or not. Uh, and we indicate to them that if you're taking this, for example, you know, ma bar management class and we're growing, there's an easy en route to that bar management role. And what we've said from a scalability perspective and what we've said to our team, we start out with our core team now. When we have one restaurant, this is the team we need. When we have two restaurants, we don't need to quite duplicate the team. That's some of the benefit of scaling with general and administrative costs kind of being shared across both. Yet we need that team to grow. And that doesn't mm -hmm. stop. When we scale locations, we scale team. And the opportunity that you'll have will grow with us. And we certainly want to put you into a position that will be successful for you. Uh, so let's train you for that. And it, it has been, you know, ranging from a server that says I'm studying marketing uh, and would love to graduate and, and be assisting in marketing. I said, well, right now we don't have anybody in-house marketing. And we're not large enough to sustain somebody in-house marketing or in-house social media components. We outsource that. Well, when we have more restaurants, we're going to bring that in-house. Maybe that's an opportunity for you 
you go from server to our social media manager. There's there's no reason why we have to limit the the path of growth in a linear fashion. Well, server goes to lead server, lead server goes to assistant manager, assistant manager goes to GM. Right? We 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 can change that process, and we have the fortunate aspect of having the fast casual brand as well. And I'll throw a little nugget out there as well. This is this is the attorney's excitement today. So I, I told you we had the the final agreement for that next location. We got our final franchise disclosure document today. Uh, so it, it we can we can literally uh, begin franchising. Uh, we're going to take it slowly, but you know we crossed the hurdle of having the paperwork in place. Uh, so our team can grow in a few different ways uh, that lean into that. And what we say to the team. And I use myself as the example. I said, I, I was absolutely dedicated and committed and still am dedicated and committed to making sure Root Southern Table runs effectively. When I was a general manager, when I was managing that on a day-to-day basis, I may have made some wrong decisions. But <clears throat> every decision I made, I made with the goal of having it be in the best interest of the restaurant and the team we're working with. And I can learn what to do next time and learn how to do it better. It's tough to find that commitment and dedication. So what we've said to our team is, you know, that proverbial, I'll take dedication over talent any day. The idea of if you're dedicated and you're committed and you know what we're doing and you know what we stand for outside the restaurant, you're on our team. Now we just need to train you for the position that best matches your strengths. That's, that's the easy part in my opinion. The hard part is finding that person that's dedicated. It just, you know, it, it has taken many other people longer than obviously you have in your, you know, tenure in this business to get to that point. Uh, because I think what you said is right on the money. Um, it is better to to hire and make your decisions based on that uh, character, based on conviction, you, you know, because you can train uh, and educate. Um, but there are certain things that can't be taught. And that is that care, compatibility, sense of community, devotion. Um, th- that's not found on a checklist. That's found, you know, deep down inside. So if you hire for those traits and then you teach the rest, you've got a better chance of putting the pieces of the puzzle together. So, yeah, good for you. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, we, we, at least we, we, we believe what you're, you're sharing. And, and so far it's come true. One of the, the things we do, as a matter of fact, is when I will talk with somebody that just onboarded with, with us or going to onboard with us, I will introduce our mission. I'll introduce our core values and I'll ask if they have any thoughts or questions about it. And typically, uh, and I don't want to let it, let the cat out of the bag, if they don't have any thoughts or questions, I'll usually say to our manager, I don't think they're meant for our team. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear what you're saying. I do. I want to, you know what? Um, th- this is fantastic as a subject, but just in essence, uh, of, uh, in interest of time, I got to switch to a different one and, and a one that is probably more obvious to our listeners. You know, your partner is, a celebrated chef and a very well-known entity. People are recognizing her on TV. I, along with many, are a follower of her. She's doing fantastic on Food Network, Bobby Flay's team, and you know all the others. So <clears throat> could you give us a little summary of how that impacts both in a positive way, but maybe what are some of the things that we don't necessarily think of in operating the business now that could be a, a challenge, either with expectations, um, uh, that other operators that maybe don't have a celebrity for a partner don't face. Yeah, that, uh, 
Chris, you, you clearly have decided to ask some some pointed good questions today. So I, I appreciate that. Uh, you know, on the on the advantage, uh, you know, I'll, I, one, you don't get invited into those positions unless you have talent. So, you know, the the first step is Tiffany is talented, uh, certainly in the kitchen, and she's talented beyond that. That's why I partnered with her, her, her business acumen and understanding. When you think about the opportunity to be more visible, if you ask Tiffany, she'll she'll share that part of her job is marketing our company. So the idea of uh, being present on the Food Network and the opportunity for different interviews or different access points, we're marketing our company. And as we look at it, it's pressure, but welcomed pressure in the sense of and I appreciate you following following Tiffany. You got to follow me. I think I, I think I'm up to 230 followers. So you got to make it 231 for me, Chris. Oh, oh, the, the, uh, the the idea of uh, the growth and the recognition allows us to then say, how do we how do we now scale our business? How do we take that marketing power and harness it for growth? Uh, so all great challenges and great opportunities on the. On the, you know, how does it work from a, a, a greater challenge perspective itself? I remember saying to our team when the New York Times article came out that we're now one of 50 restaurants across the U.S. to visit. I said, that's good news and it's bad news. I said, it's good news because we're going to have a lot more recognition. It's bad news because everybody's walking in with expectations. This was the only restaurant in Texas that's on that list. And Chris, you've had the fortunate or unfortunate opportunity to visit our restaurant. It's in it's in a you know a suburban area. Uh, it doesn't necessarily pop when you see it. You may drive up and think this is one of fifty restaurants that that made the list. All right, you know, I, let me let me go in. But your expectations are higher. Then you find out that Tiffany is part of it. Right now, you're coming in. Uh, and what I share with the team is I said, you know, your friend that told you the movie's the best movie they saw, and then you went there. What was your response back? It was good, but it wasn't that good. Right. And what we say is, you know, with Tiffany, they watch her on TV. They watch all the feedback. They they then, and as you know, you, you tend to get to know people when you see them on TV. So they feel like they know her and they're having expectations of the food. And if we don't meet those expectations, that's one area. Uh, the second one is where is Tiffany, right? You know, so uh, she's in the kitchen often, but the way you get on TV is, uh, you know, that hour show takes weeks to record. So, you know, there are times that she's busy filming and not in the restaurant and guests will come in uh, and they'll say, is Tiffany in the restaurant tonight? And you'll say, no, you know, she's, she's filming. And uh, well, I drove in from Houston, which is a three hour drive uh, and Tiffany's not here. And you're like, ah, and, and you know, if I'm there, I, I usually say, you know, it usually short circuits the conversation, but I say, well, I, but, but I'm here, right? I, and, <laughs> and they just got a smile, but, but you could see the disappointment. So some of the challenges of meeting guest expectations, you know, I would suggest that's, that's the challenge of every restaurant. Um, we talk about exceeding guest expectations. We talk about unparalleled hospitality. And when you have guests that are at that, higher expectation level, then we have to perform to an even greater extent. We love that <laughs> challenge, uh, but it certainly can, it can serve as a, as a, 
I, I, I wouldn't say disadvantage under any circumstances, Chris, but I would say it just it, let's leave it. As, it's a challenge and we're up. For it. Sounds like it. Sounds like it. You've also accepted um, what, what I would think would not necessarily be a challenge, but an additional responsibility that I know more and more restaurants are beginning to do. And that is manage uh, this business uh, purpose. Fully uh, having uh, a purpose that is practiced, and I, I admire that. And restaurants that take the opportunity to look at their business as not just an opportunity to have a business, but an opportunity to provide um, uh, uh, opportunities for people to provide things for the community. Maybe you could take a couple minutes and talk about your base belief for how you feel like some of the things you're doing in business can change. Uh, you know, uh, certain things that we have in our um, in our society today. Yeah. Uh, in in 2019, there's there's a business roundtable uh, press release, and the business roundtables, uh, I think, about 130 to 150 of the top international companies, and they talked about the role of a corporation in society is to drive profit and create opportunity for its communities. Uh, that second component is, as I said, new as of 2019. Corporations weren't set up that way. When Tiffany and I met, we talked about the idea of passion, purpose, principle, and profit in that order. The idea that we want to leverage our commitment to uh, delivering unparalleled hospitality in a way that is following our principles and our core values, creating opportunities for others, and that will drive profit. And we do it intentionally in that order. And what we think about, particularly in the hospitality industry, uh, you have uh, many people that have uh, excitedly joined the hospitality industry and you have others that uh, may feel as if this was the sole opportunity available to them. And regardless, we want to provide that path to growth. And the education component is key for what we do. So when I mentioned earlier, the access to those Dallas college classes, we do that uh, more broadly than just the Dallas college classes. And the the next step, Tiffany Growing up as a black woman, her first position that she applied for was as a cook at IHOP, and they told her no women were allowed in the kitchen. Uh, that, for both Tiffany and I, uh, needs to be addressed. Uh, as Tiffany advances in the industry, she shares that to me, you know, I didn't have anybody uh, that looked like me to be my mentor, uh, and then I found him, and I said, him? I, I said, I'm not sure... Uh, he was a woman of color. So, uh, you know, the idea that you want to create opportunities for uh, all communities. So we think about that, particularly on the franchise side. So from my end, and this is where the, the law practice comes in, uh, structuring deals. Uh, our first franchisee that will be in the city of DeSoto has to be someone that uh, doesn't have the traditional financial net worth does not have the credit worthiness, grew up in an historically red line district and certainly has some restaurant operations experience, but we'll put her into ownership. The idea that we are uh, driven by creating those opportunities. We're set up as a social entrepreneurship, meaning not a not-for-profit the way we've, we define social entrepreneurship. The idea that we think that that purpose, the reason why we are, uh, driving the the opportunities and those, uh, I guess, on roads and ramps for people that may not otherwise have had it will also 
also foster greater guests friction and retention with us. So uh, they kind of work together. Uh, I, I'm going to stop there, Chris, because th- this this subject I can talk about for sure. For and I think you well, yeah, but you're you're hitting such a good good point too that um, I think is is uh, is obvious to many people too that what is good for uh, the social community is good for business. What is good for business is good for the customer. It all works together. Um, it takes a while, I think, for some restaurants to come around. But boy, once that light bulb does blink and they realize, you know, people truly like doing business with people they like. So no one can do everything, but everyone can do something. So if we take our efforts while we're in business to do that one thing, whether it is education or whether it is some help in some other way, not only is it, you know, uh, kind of giving a purpose to our business, um, it's seen in the community, it's felt by the customers, it then comes around and it's good for business. So what a good circle. But just one last time, would you mention those four P's? I want to make sure that everyone gets all the way from passion and how it connects to profit. Yeah. It, so the uh, passion, purpose, principle, and profit. And what we talk about is is in the idea of passion, your commitment, your dedication, your <laughs> drive. Uh, what we talk about generally is the emotional reaction you feel is what your passion is. And how do you apply that uh, in a way that can drive change, that can drive success. You must, when you identify that, do it purposefully. And in turn, you'll also understand your purpose following mm-hmm. a principled approach. So ensuring in this case for us on the day-to-day decisions, you're relying on your core values. Don't shy away from those core values. That's defining who you are. Don't allow, and in the not-for-profit business, they may call it mission creep. Don't move away from who you are. And if you follow those three components and you show the passion in everything you're doing, the principle approach, you will create the profit to follow. If you go out and you start with profit first and you're not guided by any of those principles, uh, I think you know you may succeed for a short period of time, but it wouldn't be sustained sustained growth. It couldn't have been said any better. And we're going to wrap up with that. Listeners, you've really had a treat today. You've been listening to Tom Foley, and he's been explaining some extremely good Please introduce them into your operation, business principles for successful restaurant operations. Check them out. You're going to be finding a lot more of the Ruth's Chicken Shacks, I know. You've got to go find Ruth's Southern Table. Uh, It's well worth the trip to Farmer's Branch. And I'm so excited to hear that there's other concepts in the work. So we're going to stay close. But Tom, thanks again for today. And for everyone else, please catch up with us soon on another Corner Booth. Thank you for joining us on the Corner Booth. We'll be back next Tuesday with more inspiration, insights, and industry best practices to help you engage your team, delight your guests, and grow your business.